Clear prop. Star 73 is Cherokee, number two, following twin traffic, three mile final. There's something One trailer Bravo, makes for in runway 25, going uh, four mile final. This is Behind the Prop with United Flight Systems owner and licensed pilot Bobby Doss and his co host, major airline captain and designated pilot examiner Wally Mulhern. Now, let's go Behind the Prop. What's up, Wally? Hey, Bobby, how are you? I'm fantastic. Wasn't too long ago we did a show on uh, an article we found in the AOPA's Flight Training Magazine, and we're doing another one today. This was uh, an article written back in June of 2018, and I can't speak enough about how good this magazine is for student pilots, and and that's a student at any phase in their career. Um, we, we lean on this magazine for content, and you should too as a student pilot. But this episode is all about traffic pattern best practices. We've done a number of shows on pattern work and pattern at non-towered airports and other things. And I can think back all seven or so years of my flying, I've always looked for the perfect pattern, like someone that would draw it out and tell me exactly what airspeed and assess the 172 to be flying and what to do. And the reality is, is there's a lot of technique to it. And everybody has differing opinions on gumps and sea gumps and all these other things you should do from flows, the checklists. Um, and we're just going to talk through what we think are our best practices based on this article, throw in some of our own techniques and thoughts, and hopefully help you individually come up with what is actually the perfect pattern for you so that you can enter that pattern every time with a plan and have something ready to go that you know you're going to be successful in that pattern. Wally, any any idea how many times you've flown the pattern? That's an interesting thought. <laughs> um, a lot. Uh, you know, I, around this airport, um, you know, I know the houses. I know the houses that have the really cool swimming pool in the back. And there's actually houses around here that have two swimming pools in their backyard. You know, they have a lap pool and then they have the, the play pool. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm getting off subject here, but, um, a lot. I've been in the pattern a lot. And, um, uh, you know, to say I've seen it all, I, I don't know because every day is a new day. Um, but, um, let's just jump right in here again. Uh, this is 10, 10, uh, pattern for success. 10, t- 10 tips for flying the traffic patterns. Number one is, is very, very near and dear to my heart. And it's, it's really simple. Uh, the concept, uh, when, I, when, when I say this, everybody's going to go, well, of course. But uh, in practicality, maybe it doesn't always work out that way. And it says, number one, use the checklist. And um, granted, on a lot of our airplanes, let's say we're in a fuel-injected uh, Cessna 172. There's, there's not a whole lot to the checklist. Uh, it may mention flaps. It may mention landing light. But other than that, there's, there's not a whole lot else. There's, there's no carburetor heat. Uh, there's no gear to put down. There are no cow flaps. But, um, you know, as per the ACS, the ACS says appropriate use of checklist. Okay, so you can't not do a checklist and it be called appropriate use of checklist. Um, you know, I know the ACS we think of as, uh, which ACS is Airman Certification Standards, we think of that as, as the the gold standard for check rides, but man, if you just take what the ACS has you do and apply it to your everyday flying, 
Um, I think it's it's a real good start. Um, so you got to you, you know use the checklist. Um, every time I fly my 757 or 767, you know our landing checklist has three items on them, and I have it memorized. But I pull out the checklist and I read it. Okay. Um, and the thing is, you know, you, you're not going to maybe be in this 172 forever. At some point, you're going to be flying a Bonanza that has cow flaps. It's got a prop control. It ha- and, and the most important thing, it's got a landing gear that goes up and down. So no get, question. Getting used, you know, get, get in the habit of using that checklist every time. Number two is avoid distractions. And I think this is, this is probably a little difficult in the GA world just because a lot of the flying we do is either with an instructor we built rapport with or if we pass a check ride and we fly with friends, we're trying to show off what we've got. We're talking. We, we probably don't follow a sterile cockpit rule like you maybe do in the airlines. And it's easy to get distracted. I don't know why I did, but last night I had a dream of flying an IMC with a a CFI from this flight school and I was just talking and sharing ideas and he let me make some mistakes and we got a little crooked and I, I was really scared in this dream because there was complete IMC and we were almost upside down because I wasn't keeping a sterile cockpit. I think it's important that we eliminate those distractions of, of all sorts and sterile cockpits, the obvious one, maybe not looking for two pools in the backyards when I take off tomorrow would be a good idea. Um, but it's, it's, it's staying attentive to the task at hand and not getting distracted. Yeah. I, I had a check ride just recently where, um, it was a private pilot check ride and, um, it was very strange about, oh, halfway through the check ride, uh, the GPS failed and, um, he, you know, we didn't need it. He knew where we were and he called and we, we came back to, the airport to stay in the pattern. Um, but every time we were on downwind, his focus was trying to bring the GPS back to life. Mm. And, uh, as, as we were debriefing, I said, wow, at this point, why, why did you care? Yep. Why'd you care about the GPS? I could look out the left window and there was the runway. You know, we never got more than a, a mile away from the airport. It's not like we needed the GPS. And but he he could not he could not keep from staying you know keep from playing that GPS he boy he he was going to bring it back to life and get it going again and you know in the meantime uh, you know missing some radio calls and and that sort of thing because his his focus was not where it needed to be yeah and in social media and all the phones we have and everything that pops up on our screens as I'm getting distracted right now while we're recording on my screen. You got to make sure you block that stuff out and don't have those distractions. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, number three is fly a standard traffic pattern entry. Um, of course, this is this is uh, for non-controlled airports, basically. And we did a whole segment, a whole show on this um, several months ago that that got a lot of um, very good uh, comments from. Um, you know, obviously going into a controlled airport, air traffic control is going to, uh, tell you how to enter the traffic pattern, but, um, you know, um, fly, flying a standard traffic pattern entry. And, um, you know, I'm going to add to this listening, uh, um, and, and fitting in with the other traffic that's in the traffic pattern. 
You know, it's like you're the new guy. You're coming in to enter the traffic pattern. So play nice with those who are already there and uh, enter the pattern appropriately. And, uh, you know, don't cut anybody off. Number four is coordinate the your final turn. And I think uh, as I am still a rookie pilot in the grand scheme of things, just below 500 hours, that uh, I often, if I don't fly regularly, the winds might get the better of me. If I ride with someone else who's a fairly young pilot, I can always tell when the winds are getting them. And they don't they don't have a plan so that they don't overshoot final and they don't, they may, maybe they turn a little late and we all know that that's a really bad place to be in. Um, we don't want to get slow when we're low to the ground like that and pull up and possibly stall that plane when we're six, 700 feet off the ground. So coordinate your final turn, make sure you're prepared for it. Make sure that you have accounted for the winds. Look, half the practice maneuvers we do as as primary students are just to help us fly the pattern safely, right? And we, we learn how to make turns around a point. We learn how to do S turns. We learn how to do uh, slow flight. We learn how to do everything we're learning how to do. Most of it, if not all of it, is pattern work and slow and landing, of course. Um, so have a plan for that final turn. Make sure you don't overshoot and uh, try and pull back to get the runway. It's dangerous. Yeah. Uh, number five is use the whole runway. Um, you know, uh, granted, we may be taking off on a 5,000-foot runway, and we only need 650 feet to take off. Um, so what's the big deal about uh, taking off 2,000 feet down the runway? Well, you know, any runway behind you is is no good. It's like fuel that's left in the fuel tank, and uh, you might wish that you had at some point. So, um, you know, use use the whole runway. It may take you an, an extra tenth. It may not cost you a little bit extra money to taxi to the end of the runway, but um, use the whole runway. Um, you know, I know that was one thing that my father just harped on me. Don't ever take an intersection takeoff if you can avoid it. Now, you, you're going to go to some controlled airports that uh, maybe that's their standard practice to use intersection departures. Um, I know the bigger airports do it all the time, and that, that's just the way it is. I mean, of course, if you need the entire length of the runway, you can request that. You may be delayed a little bit, but if you need it, you need it. I was going to say, I bet, you, I bet if you ask, they might approve it yeah. in every sense. And I think my flight instructor did a good job of making sure I always use the full runway. And it's changed my decision-making some. You know, I'll, I'll fly out to, to Brenham and you're at the, the kind of the FBO there at Brenham and to taxi all the way, all the way to the end of the runway to take off to the South. That, that's a long taxi. And there's, there's probably a, a, a entry into the runway every thousand feet, maybe five or six of those entries around through there. Likewise, I, I, I probably don't need that whole thing, but I go down there every time and I use it and I do it everywhere I go now. And uh, like you said, it's, it's 30 seconds that I, I'm going to be really glad I did it when I need a little bit of runway to, to, to board and make a decision of a no-go. Yeah. Sure. The other thing about using the entire runway is that there's something that's at the end of the runway and it's some big numbers. And so, uh, you know, it's a nice thing to know that, hey, I think I'm, I'm, I'm going to depart a runway 17 today. And uh, you go to the end of the runway, there's a big 17. Um, you take off at an intersection and you don't see it. Now, yeah, you can line, make sure that you're pointing at about 170 degrees. But you know there have been there have been 
major accidents of of uh, from people taking off on runways where they thought they were on a different runway and possibly this runway was closed or it was a lot shorter than the runway they really thought they were on. Number six, keep it tight on downwind. Um, this might be one that people want to debate, but it is uh, keep it tight on downwind. I think in a twin, I fly further away, of course, um, but there's a there's a pretty good balance on how far to be away. I think we said it in the non-towered episode that we would like to be within a half a mile. We definitely want to be within glide distance if we have any issue. You should always be able to make it back, but keep it keep it tight on the downwind. I can't think of a reason why in a single-engine aircraft you would get more than a mile away, and I think we talked about that quite a bit when Pat was on. Um, it, it helps with the flow of traffic. It helps for people coming to enter. I've, I have seen in a pattern before where people are flying different distances away from the airport. Um, you got to make you got to make what make work what's going to work for you, but don't get too far away from the airport for sure. And one one thing that air traffic control will sometimes do, they will tell you to turn a um, turn a three mile final. Well, what does three miles look like? Um, that's that's kind of something that is an acquired skill. A, a, a brand new pilot may not be able to tell three miles. And a simple rule of thumb that I use is that in general we're probably doing about 90 knots in the pattern. Uh, that's a mile and a half a minute. So three miles would take you two minutes. A two mile final would be about a minute and 20 seconds, something like that. So just just know at 90 knots, you're doing a mile and a half a minute. They say a, a three-mile final, hit your, uh, um, the end of the runway and go out for, for two minutes. Of course, that doesn't count for wind. You can, you can factor in wind and all those things, but, um, you know, a mile and a half a minute. And... Maintain your target airspeed. I've always, I used to, one of my um, things I used to say a lot on, um, uh, with, with, especially with my instrument students, was the key to a good landing is a good approach. The key to a good approach is good airspeed control. So uh, maintain your airspeed, um, you know, fly the airplane at the speed that you want it to be. And one thing that we see with, with instrument uh, uh, applicants is, uh, you know, they'll, they may fly the, the approach at 90 knots. Well, uh, a 172 isn't going to land at 90 knots. So there's the transition from the approach phase to the landing phase. Well, maybe you got to slow down 30 knots. So, um, you know, come up with the, the airspeed that you want to fly and, 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 and own it and, and fly that airspeed. Yeah, the, uh, the this brings so many thoughts into my mind. I think the first real trip I took with passengers was to Brenham. The restaurant was still open, and I was I was going to uh, take them out there, and I bounced twice, and I went around, and I can't think I can't now I can't imagine the amount of damage that a fast landing might have caused to that aircraft had I struck the prop, and I just I just don't think we as young pilots can decide we're going to land a little faster because we like to land a little faster. I mean, these aircraft aren't going to land if you're going, like you said, 90 knots. 
And uh, no matter how much we push down on it, it ain't going to land. So uh, learn, get your airspeeds right, understand what, what numbers you want to be at. And considering the winds, indicated is what you're going to have and see and use. And that should work for you in any circumstance. Uh, you just might go a little, it might be a little slower over the ground. But know your speeds, maintain those speeds, and you will learn how to land like a champion. Number eight, this will help you with your speeds. Trim, trim, trim. I think that uh, I think it's one of those acquired things that takes time. We talk about it often, but if you can trim the aircraft in the pattern, man, it makes it a lot easier to to fly, to, to, to fly the aircraft. The checklist usage is easier. The holding the center line or holding the downwind is easier. Everything you do is easier if you know how to trim that aircraft. Um, so use the trim. Trim is for an airspeed. Find the airspeed you want on downwind with the power setting. Set it and let it fly the airplane for you. Trim on trim and trim. Yeah, I would say pretty much any time I see somebody struggling with steep turns, uh, more times than not, one of the major issues is they don't have the airplane in trim. That's that's a lot of work that that, that applicant's doing yeah, for sure. it is. Number nine, a pet peeve of mine. Land on center line. I, I joke with applicants all the time. I will say, as a taxpayer, you have paid for the entire runway, not just the left side. And, um, you know, I, I, I guess it's because people are sitting on the left side of the airplane um, that they tend to want to land to the left of center line. But um, this was something that my father just preached and and harped on with me put the nose wheel on the center line the nose wheel on the center line or actually what he said is put the center line right between your legs which is just a little bit a little bit off but um yeah you know if you got a 150 foot wide runway and you land on the center line you've got 75 feet of protection on either side of you if you're landing way left you you you're just taking some of that protection away so land on the center line. That's what it's there for. I also think pilots, that you have a tendency to go a little right or a little left. Um, we all have that natural tendency. And I was probably a little left kind of a guy. But now that I am a little bit longer in my tenure as a pilot, I do. I pick on people all the time that are taxiing off center line. They won't land on center line. They get off the center line once they've once the air, you know the aircraft has become stable on the ground. They'll if they know they're going to turn left, they'll get halfway over. I just don't think any of that makes sense because what it does is it makes it okay to not be on center line. And so you might get to a remote airport that only has 70 feet wide on, on the runway and a 25 foot wide taxiway. And if you, you get off center at all, you might be in the grass or mud or something worse. Right. So, uh, if you visually and mentally always think center line, center line, center line, the center line's there to protect you. Uh, I have center lines around my hangar. So people know not to cross those center lines so they don't catch a wingtip. Right. Uh, center line is king, and you should not ever uh, exceed even inches off center line. So yeah. keep that one top of mind and follow it both landing and taxiing. And then we talked about this. We've had many episodes. We'll have many more in the future. But use the radio, but be brief. Um, don't be cute. Don't be cocky. Use the radio, make your calls, report where you're at, report your altitudes, but be brief. Um, I think the one thing that I generally hear people missing sometimes 
in, in remote small airports without towers is saying the airport name. Um, and that's dangerous because those frequencies are being used by more than one airport. And so if you don't say Navasota, Cessna 1234, I'm 1,000 feet AGL in a downwind for 1.7, then you might, the Hearn might think you're in the middle of the downwind for 1.7. So right. um, make sure you're calling out the airport name. Make sure people know where you're at. We've talked a little bit about it. Like, don't talk about the water tower or the football field or the little local attribute that you that you know about because you fly there all the time. Because I might not know that if I'm coming in for a visit, uh, and that might not give me reference to where you're really at. Yeah, yeah. And and as far as um, you know, one technique that that we hear a lot of people use, they'll say the airport name at the beginning of the transmission. And at the end end of the transmission, um, I quite honestly uh, I don't know if that's in the aim anywhere, but I, I do believe it's a very good technique because a lot of times uh, when you first hear the transmission, maybe maybe your ears aren't in tune to listening, maybe the radio's loud, you're you're adjusting the volume or whatever, um, but when you hear Navasota traffic, Cherokee one two three Bravo X ray left downwind one seven Navasota. It, okay, yeah, they really are here. It's yep. somebody I need to be looking out for because I'm at Navasota. All good stuff, all that should be used by everyone listening to make your own plan of attack to make the pattern the best pattern you can make it and to be safe and protect both yourself and all those other aircraft flying around you. As always, fly safe and stay behind the prop. Thanks for checking out the Behind the Prop podcast. Be sure to click subscribe and check us out online at BehindTheProp.com. Behind the Prop is recorded in Houston, Texas. Creator and host is Bobby Doss. Co-host is Wally Mulhern. The show is for entertainment purposes only and is not meant to replace actual flight instruction. Thanks for listening and remember, fly safe.